Good evening, Patriots. Today is November 21st, Monday in the year 2022. And we're in the middle and beginning of, I guess I should say, of holiday season. There's going to be a lot going on, so we have to keep our ears open for those in need. Before we begin, make sure that you're taking good care of your supplies at home. We make sure you're stocking up, not just for yourself, but for your fellow neighbors and patriots. This is going to be a time where we're going to have to really work together as community. Patriots, if you didn't know, America is running out of diesel fuel. The Energy Information Administration says that there's less than 25 days remaining in our national stockpile. Now, if trucks can't get fuel, they also can't deliver food to the grocery stores. What then? If you don't have emergency food stocked up, go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com right now and grab a special limited time offer from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save $250 on their three-month emergency food kit, which gives you a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. My Patriot Supply wants to help you be your own grocery store. So for a limited time, you'll save $250 on their three-month food kit. Be sure to get one kit for each person in your family. This offer ends in just a few days. So go right now to preparewithbards.com and grab your $250 discount on each three-month kit you need. That's preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Patriots, there's nothing like having the security of food in your home. So remember, go to preparewithbards.com and take advantage of this amazing offer. Oh, yeah. Time to keep yourself stocked up. Winter's coming, and it's going to be an interesting one. And we in Bards Nation need to stay together. Patriots, I said it the other night, if you need... Um, if you come to a point where you're needing help and to reach into Bards Nation, and that is beginning, we're getting some people reaching in and legitimate needs. So I'm kind of figuring out how we're going to handle this. Um, but what I may do is I need to talk to the web guy, but we may set up just a centralized area. If you feel compelled to donate money, for example, to specific causes like to help somebody with financial needs or to help somebody with food. Uh, I think I'm going to see how that goes. I'll float that out on Telegram, but I think that will probably work if you're open to that. I also like to do gifts in kind. and I don't want to limit people's willingness to give just to money, but it seems to be one of the fastest ways to get things to people. So let's give that some thought. If you have some ideas, share it on Telegram. Mods, if you're out there, just... Um, kind of grab that and see what people are liking. We're going to have to kind of see how this goes, but there's definitely some need and it's something we want to be very aware of and we want to be really working together to be building that community with ourselves and really making sure that we're supporting one another in a big way. So that's, that's a big deal. So um, we'll see how that looks, but I'm, I definitely want to move this forward as much as we can and be ready to mobilize because there's going to be more of this as we hit the winter. And we have some amazing people in our Bards Nation that are really making big strides in life to break from the cabal system. And so what we can do to support where needed is going to be a big deal. Yeah, last night when I did the show, there was a pretty significant insight given to me by God, as we are reading this, reading through this show. And I'll tell you honestly, as I kind of sat down to do last night's show, I wasn't really sure where everything was going to go. And it was one of those shows where I kind of just turned to Father and I said, like, okay, you've got the keys, let's go. And so what happened last night was a pretty incredible insight into Jeremiah 6.16. And that centers, and I'll read it, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. There's a real interesting part of that. And I was talking to Brad Cummings about this today. And then I also talked to, I was on the Resistance Chick sh uh, Thanksgiving show today as well. 
and I, I shared this insight, and there was a lot of other people on there well-versed in Scripture, and my, my point of what I'm going to say is it was a consensus was that there was really some substance of what I'm about ready to say. That when we look at, when we stop looking at God as a living God and we start to look at him as this something we're praying to out of touch of ourselves, we're separating ourselves from the supernatural. And I hit on this last night and I'm, I'm going to push this quite a bit because the narrative which we're in right now is we spent the last couple of weeks working on forgiveness and love and talking about that a lot. And you've heard me talk about that a lot. And you're probably like, oh, here he goes. We're going to do it again. Well, to a certain degree, yes, but not, but not totally yes because we have some other stuff to cover. But the forgiving heart and the loving heart is what opens that connection with the living God. And that's principled by how Christ walked, but somehow we translate the forgiveness and the love to weakness or to lack of vengeance or to lack of justice. And it's, it's really, it's really twisted and it doesn't allow us to have that moment when we walk in that space to say, I got him, I got him back or I got him. And that's not the way God works. So when we read Jeremiah 616, what's really profound to me is what, what, Father showed me last night as I'm doing the show, literally, and I, it was one of these strange moments that as I read it and then I, I spoke what was spoken, it was like there was two of me at once, like the one talking and the one listening going, wow, Father, that was amazing. And what it is is this, is that when we are denying the supernatural within Father God, we're denying an aspect of the ancient path because the ancient paths embraced supernatural. They, they became, it was as normal to them as breathing is to us now, or your pound cake is, or your chocolate chip cookie, whatever that is. I mean, that was real and visceral. And to us, it's not, it's, it's like outside the realm of normal. It's esoteric. It's gets into the space of uh, like strange and, and fantastical, whatever, but it wasn't the way it was. Miracles were abnormal part of a process of having incredible relationship with God. I mean, Abraham is up there ready to sacrifice his son and God intervenes. And it's like, think about that for a minute. I mean, just put yourself in that moment in the world that we are in today. What does that look like to you? If you were one commanded to sacrifice your son and then two asked by God and told by God to stop, what does that look like in your world? And I'm not saying this as a, any, anything like, are you in that place? No, I just want you to imagine what would that look like to you in the world we live in where we don't acknowledge the supernatural aspects of God? Does it look like a sudden presence of an entity you can, that overwhelms you? Is it light? Is it a voice? But see, that, that's the sort of discernment that it's evident in all the imperfections that exist within our characters in the Bible, our stories and narratives of people, that exists and it's very real to them and it's very powerful and it should be very real and powerful to us. So if we're saying seek the ancient paths and we're saying, yeah, I'll seek that ancient path, but whoa, not going with that healing stuff or casting out demon stuff or whatever, that's, 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 that's crazy. But that's what Jesus did. And how would we perceive Jesus today? I mean, this is a really, and I do mean this, this is a very important discussion that we have to have because I hear many times people saying, I, I, know who, I would know who Jesus is. I'm like, I have no doubt that when, at the point when Jesus returns, no one's going to not know who Jesus is. But if we roll ourselves back to the Jesus that was walking amongst the people as human, would you? I ask myself that. I'm not. Again, these are open questions to, to reflect on because if we're not willing to accept these miracles that happened before us, would we look at the miracles and go, wow, he cast out demons? Or would we go like, who is that dude doing that? Right? These are kind of big questions that we have to ask because we're in a very skeptical world and we're in a world that does not put much emphasis or trust in the supernatural. And like I said last night, which is 
really crazy is that the <laughs> the new agers and the cultists put more trust in the supernatural than we do and we have the one god the true god the living god and the god truly who brings about the miracles of supernatural that's what's so bizarre to all this and it's something that we kind of have to get into to appreciate just how far we've drifted away from a place where we can really have that living relationship with the living God. It's not a dead God. It's not a name. It's not like some words in a book. It's not like something you get to see after you've, you know, you've cat spit stayed 50 nights in Marriott and you got the platinum award, right? It's, it's not that. This is the living God that's accessible to every one of us all the time if we trust and move in him. And I, and I think that's fairly profound if we're going to be really building this incredible relationship with God as we need to. So let me read this. This is Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. That's uh, amazing in its concept of our, the question being how, where are we at? And, and who, where do you put your, where do you put that type of faith? Do you trust in the Lord that much? Or do you are you going to trust in the institutions of men? And it's it's an important question because this is literally where we have this takes us actually to Habakkuk, which is the last part. This is Habakkuk three uh, sixteen and on down to nineteen, where Habakkuk has gone through this whole process of talking to God and talking about how he doesn't see the miracles of God, and then he. God explains to him, but you, if you saw what I, if you understood what I knew, you, you would basically lose your mind and you couldn't handle it. And then he reveals to Habakkuk that like, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to have the Babylonians come in and sack your people. <laughs> Habakkuk's like, huh? Like, are you kidding me? Like, who are you? I thought you were the God of love and the God of everything. And he's like, yeah, but look at how this works. I need to bring your people back and I need to sort out who they are and sift them out as well. And I can do this all at once and it all brings everybody back. And after Habakkuk goes through this whole thing, it, is, it ties into Jeremiah because he's reminded that cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. And that other part is blessed in the man who trusts in the Lord. And Habakkuk ends the book with, I heard and my inner parts trembled at the sound my lips quivered Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble, because I must wait quietly for the days of distress, for the people to arise will, who will attack us. So he's, he's aware of what's coming. But then he says, even if the fig tree does not blossom, and there is no fruit on the vines. So the first part of that is he's, he's thinking of, and it's not one so far as say trust in, but he's understanding the consequence of the day of distress when his people will be attacked by the institutions of men. And so that is that distresses him. But now when he enters into this next phase, he says, even if the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines, if the yield of the olive fails and the fields produce no food, even if the flock disappears from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made me feel. He has made my feet like a deer's feet, and he has made me walk 
on my high places. Really amazing that he comes through this whole process to actually acknowledging that, yeah, he's got some fear in his bones. He's quivering and trembling about the idea of being sacked, but he's not going to hang on to that because he's going to re-put his focus back to blessed this, where Jeremiah is saying, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. That's it's amazing. And that's really where we have to start focusing a lot of because this is a very difficult time. I, I was in this call today, it was really profound to me. This has been the second hit on this this week. I told you that my I think I told you last time. My parents went to church yesterday, and the pastor there began was speaking yesterday about anger, and next week he's talking about forgiveness. Well, we've been talking about anger and forgiveness and love and justice for about two weeks. And then today I get on this Thanksgiving call with the resistance chicks and there's a really good guy I worked with. I met when I was up in Plymouth Rock, Plymouth with the resistance chicks covenant event and great, great pastor just does revivals around the country. And what's he talk about today? He says, this last week I had a dream. The Lord put it on my heart that the only way through this is we have to forgive and we have to extend love and we have to start fighting with the love of the kingdom. And I'm paraphrasing a lot of what he said, but I'm like, I can't believe this. Well, I can, but I'm like, this is amazing. This is talking about confirmation. The Lord is pouring this down on us right now for a reason. And from my optic, when I keep bumping into it with people saying the same thing, and they're unrelated, disconnected, all praying into the Father, and the Father's pouring down the same message, it's probably a good time that we listen. This is an extremely difficult step we're going to have to make. And this step is one centered on the most difficult thing we're going to have to come to grips with, which is the forgiving heart and the trust in God for justice and the love that we have to extend through the Holy Spirit. None of those are easy. Okay. Galatians 5, 4, you have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. I absolutely love that line. It's, it is so apropos. It's like you are waiting to be justified by law. Those are laws of men, not laws of God. And they've fallen from grace because they aren't realizing that that power and the justification is coming from the Holy Spirit. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, we are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. So the differences between them, which would be the difference between Democrat, Republican, Injected, non-injected, it's right there. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision, can't even read tonight, means anything but faith working through love. And that's essentially where we are right now. These are the big steps that we're going to have to make, and I think it's very critical that we start to really look at where we are in our hearts and realize that we can't beat this enemy with anger. And this was another part of this whole narrative. And it's, and, and so I'm, I'm, if I get going a little bit tonight, just understand, I mean, this is very powerful because when we start thinking about how this all works together, let me just give a snapshot of it. I mean, we, we have a heart, we have a forgiving heart, which allows us to hear father God. Our translation of, of forgiveness means that there's no justice, which is a complete lie because God delivers justice. And that justice is often delivered by our hand. We have to have justice in this world. And we have to have justice in kingdom. But we also have to have the patience of how God delivers that. That's part of what I was reading last night about Joshua is that there was a complete trust in Father God. The oneness between his relationship with God and where he was taking the place of Moses it's incredible. Taking the place of Moses as God put upon him and the people trusted in that because they trusted that there was a relationship in God in him and they all shared in a relationship with Father God. So it's not like you're talking about a prophet like we are now where 
people are like, well, he has a prophetic sense. That should mean something very different than often what it ends up meaning is like he can hear God. That does not mean we should all be here. I'll be hearing God. Right? So as we have a forgiving heart and the forgiving heart opens us up to Father God and then we embrace the love of Jesus within that heart, we're then pushing into Father God and turning it over to him to deliver the justice, which can come in many forms, and we're dispelling away the vengeance, the anger, and we're sifting through our anger to make sure that our anger is righteous and not vengeance-driven or selfish, even worse. And all of this is then opening up to something even greater. And what this is, is as we start to confront what we're facing right now, if we're going to start doing, as it says here, dividing, and just to use the terms of Galatians, reading Galatians 5 and 6, or 5, 6, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Let's replace those words. For in Christ Jesus, neither injected or non-injected means anything. Because it's all about faith working through love. That means we are delivering the power of the Holy Spirit to solve the problems that we are looking at in the optic of this world. We aren't going to get through this as, as fighting this men on men, women on women. It's too big and it's too evil. And this is a spiritual war. So if we're going to change the direction of fight, we're going to approach our enemy with the love of the kingdom, which is going to ultimately that power and that love of the kingdom is not only healing, it's disarming. It's a powerful way of changing the direction. And to be very honest, if in the middle of a war, you don't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results when nothing is working. And yet that's all of us. I'm including myself here. No exclusion. We've all been doing it. And we have to make the pivot now, in my opinion, as God's showing me, as God's showing many others, to make the pivot and to look at this and say, all right, I'm believing in the God of the supernatural. I'm believing in the supernatural that God has given to us to embrace, the Holy Spirit. Let's use those tools. We are so over-equipped for this fight but we're not reaching into the tools of the kingdom. We're reaching into the tools of men. And that's our big challenge. And in no way, in no way am I saying it's easy. But this, if we are going to win this and win this in the sense of the way we need to with, with God and with Christ above us and through us, we are going to have to pivot into that walk of Christ and constantly frame it in those lens, in that lens. I have looked at this fight for, talked of this fight for what's going on three and a half years now. And it is, the original name of this channel was Bards of War, which is basically the story, storytellers of war. That shifted to Bards FM, which is basically storytellers field manual. Okay. And that was as God led. And it's important to follow this here is that I'm always going to look at this as a war, but is also the tacticians and the strategists. As we look at this, we have to pay attention to the ebbs and flows and the tides and ripples that are happening before us to be able to listen to how we're going to fight. We fought an aggressive fight of information awakening. And then we fought an aggressive fight of awaken to the threat of the mask and the vax and what it would lead to. And we, in the process, we created an amazing fellowship here in Bars Nation. And there were other, there's other groups that have created strong relationships. I'm biased, very, because I think Bars Nation is probably one of the strongest and most awake groups out there. And I think that we, a part of that is because we're so deeply anchored first and foremost in our faith. That's me. And I'm sure somebody might disagree and I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I'm still not changing my opinion. But my point is that we've built a very strong fellowship. And now is not time for us to build the walls and keep people out, but rather to reach out. This is where we, the tide changes a bit. Because the ebb and flow of war, the last thing the enemy wants you to do is to start going on the offensive. And it's the right now, the enemy, we should be pummeling the enemy on the offensive. 
And what does the offensive look like through the lens of kingdom? That offensive is mighty and strong, but it's wielding the power of this mightiness of the sword of the spirit, which is literally wielding a strike of love and forgiveness everywhere you go. We're reaching into that. And it's that confidence and that grounding that we have through through the Holy Spirit, that confidence and grounding through Jesus that literally allows you just to walk with that light within you. And that intimate relationship that we've built and are building, that the disarming fact is that they can't stand to that because it is so massively, incredibly beautiful of what touches them. This is a fight. I heard three other people tonight on this call talk of something similar, unrelated, based on dreams, insights, prayer, response, whatever, that all came from God. Now, these are people from different parts of the country. No one's talking to each other. We didn't see each other until tonight. And no one's copying each other because they're telling their own stories. It is really amazing. And God is speaking about this boldly. So we continue on with Galatians 5 and go to 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, who am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. For you have called, you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Those are absolutely profound words and exactly where we sit right now. And it is an amazing place to be where we are able to look at this and say, wow, change in strategy. So I'm real stories here, okay? This was a special forces team, special forces team 3124. And they were down in Maywand, a really bad place in southern Afghanistan. And I went down to be with them, to work with them. I was the outsider. And trust me, there was some serious suspicion of what I was bringing because what I was delivering was a discussion about how to bridge relationships. And this is why it was difficult. They had been given an abort order that had never happened in Special Forces history meaning that they were told that they had to pack up and leave a location without mission complete. And I had been asked to locate an influencer, which I did, and to work with the team. So I did. But here's the baggage that I had to enter in to confront. And trust me, when we talk about forgiveness, and I talk about it, and I think sometimes people sit back and they're like, oh, dude, you're just talking Here's what we had to deal with. The teams are 12 men strong. Their team house, which is an ODA, Operation Detachment Alpha, was built, unbeknownst to them, on the wall that was shared between them and the school where the Taliban had first started in Afghanistan. In other words, they had built their team house against the sacred site where the Taliban had begun. In this interaction with the locals, about a mile from that team house, 
An IED was set, blown up, and one of their team members was killed. This is as close as it gets to home when you have to deal with this. And I had this task. Not only was did I need to bring in an influencer, I had to talk to them and work with them to work on engagements with the locals and not go kicking in doors and shooting people in the face. Not an easy task. Okay? Not an easy task. And so one of the first early engagements we had, I had a really good interpreter and they had a lot of suspicion of the old man, the, the uh, elder in the village that he was responsible for. It. And I had a lot of doubts that it was the elder. I had a lot of suspicion on his grandson. And I asked him about it, and he has told me, like, we've checked this guy out. And they said he, he, he cleared the, the test, so to speak, the cleared muster. He hadn't set the IED. So we sat down and had a meeting. The Special Forces guys were around me. It set up security. And I sat down and we had a conversation. I just asked him, I said, do you mind if I just run this meeting and have the meeting? And the elder's name was Baba John, and, and he had his nephew with him. And they said, go ahead. So we started talking. And as we were working and talking, I noticed how the young man was cutting off the elder and not letting him finish sentences, controlling him, basically. And you could see by the eyes of the elder, elder, older man that he was the village elder, he was shying back every time the young man spoke. And I already had known that the old man had managed, he had fallen recently and had come away with bruises, which it became pretty evident pretty quickly that this young man was actually abusing his grandfather. So I, had an, I turned to my interpreter and I said, listen, I, I need you to push him. And he says, how hard? And we're speaking in English. They didn't speak English. I said, I want, you to, I want you to break him. I want you to push him until he snaps, speaking of the young kid. And so we began to push questions and pressure him as my interpreter translated and pressed him into Pashtun. And, pressed him in Pashtun. and suddenly the kid bolted up and screamed his hate towards the special forces and literally stormed off admitting that he had set the IED. What followed, and I even have it on film, it's pretty amazing, was the team pulled me aside and they asked me, like, what did you just do? I said, we just had a conversation and we just pressed for truth. And in the interrogation, that they were able to then take the, this guy in and, and interrogate him, and sure as heck, he had set the IED. So he was then turned over to local authorities, etc. Okay. But here's what comes next. As I interview the team sergeant, and he's there, and, and we, we talk about their mission, he gets really choked up, and he says, you know, I lost one of my guys here. He got blown up. And he said, all we wanted to do is have vengeance. But what we've witnessed and what we're realizing is how much more powerful it is to do our job. And rather than seek vengeance, to give the forgiveness so that we can raise them up to be greater than they thought they could be. This wasn't a mission for the church. This isn't the middle of a war zone. And yet... This man understood the power of forgiveness in his heart. He didn't remove justice. This is what I'm getting at. He understood the need to unburden his heart, to do his mission, to overcome, and to fight another day. Patriots, when we start to understand that we are on mission, our mission directives come from God. But we can't get those mission directives if we are polluting the communication channels with a heart polluted with anger 
and lack of forgiveness. And the communication channels not only get cleared when we forgive, they amplify when we embrace love. When we embrace love, now we're wielding true power of kingdom, and now we're starting to invite in the supernatural, which means we change the direction of this fight, not by looking at how much discord we have, not talking about how people aren't going to heal. I got that. Every medical person out here is talking about that, except a handful. Dr. Lee Merritt, Dr. Eric Naputi, Dr. Kerry Midday, are three right off the top that are all focused, as we, the four of us have talked, all focused on building healing, and all of them are centering on the power of faith in the Holy Spirit. Embracing the power of the Holy Spirit as in the supernatural within this world. That's where we go, and that's where we go back to this question that was put by Paul in Galatians. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And in the end, who hindered us was ourselves. We have to let God change our hearts. And that means we have to be willing to let God change our hearts. It's easy to say, let God change your heart. And you're like, okay, cool, got it. I'll just go pray on that for a little while. No. You have to be willing to let God change your heart because to do that, it will transform you. I'm not going to kid you. This last two months and a half for me have been unbelievably, unbelievably transformative. I have witnessed the power of trusting in the Holy Spirit as I drove across this country delivering 12 Bibles. And that, that story path, the way it went, where I went, how I got to each place was even more incredible. And the lessons I learned, the things I had to face about myself, the trust that I put into God where he showed me to go, the things that I thought would be foolish ended up being incredible, or the chances of getting somewhere seemed to be impossible and the doors were open that only he could open. And each step of the way, all the way through to the ending stop, which was Yuba City, and then back home, and then back down to Yuba City for two additional and more weeks for an incredible relationship that I never even knew about that now is a group that I'm working with regularly. All of this is how God works when we trust in him. And through that transformative process to start embracing because of those things I've even witnessed, the power of the Holy Spirit and what that brings into this world. So here's a question, and, and I'm posing this with me having seen the answer, but I'm throwing it to you to ponder. I have seen men who have spent 10 to 15 years for hard crimes in jail, people that were cartel gun runners and, and executioners and enforcers, these sorts of guys. These are guys that I have cried with, held, prayed with Jesus, the whole thing. I've seen those men that were lost transformed to run after Jesus more ferociously than most people will ever know. So humble that they can put themselves before the, everybody in, in front of the altar and cry and pray and ask for the relieving of their burdens. If that can happen for those that are, seem to be terminally lost, why are we denying the potential that those that took the shot can be healed? And the answer is the only reason we are is that we see ourselves at war with our brethren instead of loving thy, your, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As Paul said, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in this statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That, to me, is where it hits home. And that, to me, is where we build traction to fight this war to win, not this fight this war to achieve parity or to achieve some sort of balance or detente. The enemy wants us divided. The enemy wants us believing that there can be no supernatural healing or healing of any kind for that matter. And as I've worked through this and sat through this, and we've talked about the difficulties of where we've been, and we have been through a rocky path. My shift now is clear. And that shift is that as we pivot in war, this is time for another pivot, a pivot to shift our strategy and focus to a decisive attack 
strategy that bases itself on the powers and tools the kingdom give us, gives us, which centers on two fundamental principles, forgiveness and love. And I hope that you will join me. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you this evening as we come together and reflect very deeply on the status of this fight and the state of this fight where we're at. This is a difficult, difficult fight. One that's constantly changing. We're dealing with mass amounts of deception, the weaving in of discord and hate between us. And yet here we are reminded by Paul in these words, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Father, we ask for the strength, the clarity, the focus to do just that and to turn the tides in this war in such a way as that we can start seeing before us, calling upon and having in our hands you working through us, the powers of the Holy Spirit to heal, to heal the sick, to cast out the demons, to do as Christ would bid and Christ would do to truly transform what seems impossible into the, to the possible, which you do, Lord, and which we have to trust and believe, to move the mountains that we see that are impossible to move, yet to trust in you and to know that through the Holy Spirit, those mountains can move. Let us be the vehicles of change, healing, and transformation. Guide us, Father. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. A matter of taking a step forward and a big one at that. And for some, I'm sure you are doing it. But remember what I've always said, because I always see these comments come up like, I didn't do that, I'm doing that. (laughs) And they make me laugh a little bit. I know that not everybody, this message, I should put a qualifier. We were going to begin this evening with a discussion about peace about love, and about forgiveness. If you are in one of those people that is already doing these things, then please understand that this, this is a, a statement that will remove all obligation from you. Otherwise, please understand that the instructions given here come with no liability and no consequence of action. Something like that I think will make everybody feel better. <laughs> Patriots, I love you very much, man. This is, this is an incredible time. And this is an amazing time for us to be bold and to be, take the risks that God wants us to take, to step into that kingdom place. Trust that God can transform your heart and let us lead with the power of faith, the power of forgiveness, and the power with love. And trust that God delivers justice. That's the big one. Because as we do that, our world changes and the enemy truly, truly finds itself on its knees, which is pretty cool because if they're on their knees, they're probably pleading to Jesus and I'm going to be back. That's when I go back to behind Jesus and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to give him that. He's like, cool it. And I'm like, all right, just had to throw that in. (laughs) Go back and do what you're doing. He says, all right, got you, Jesus. I'm on the way. All right, Patriots. Hope you have a blessed night. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He truly is. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and powerfully, confidently, spiritually with Jesus. He's your friend. He's your your brother. He's your king. Open up your heart to him. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deep Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body Oh
close to me, look how they 